0: Welcome back to Sister Hoop, the podcast about sisterhood, hoops, and everything in between. My name is Olivia Brown and I'm a college basketball player. I've created this podcast to give players a platform to share their stories and have conversations about prevalent topics in sports. On this episode of Sister Hoop, I'm joined by Fatria Muhammad. Fatria is an amazing person and has done a ton of advocacy work for Muslim female basketball players. Fatria has an impressive resume that we will get into throughout this episode. She's the founder of the Muslim Women's Summer Basketball League and an ambassador for the Hijabi Ballers. She has worked with Nike Toronto to create a playbook for how sports organizations can be allies with Muslim players. And now she's writing a thesis about how Muslim athletes are changing society. Fatria and I talk about the representation of Muslim athletes, the sisterhood she has felt throughout her life, the main goal for activism, and so much more. Let's get into it and hear more from Fatria.
1: The first two questions I ask in every interview is a combination of sister hoops. So the first part of sister hoop is sisterhood. So what is one of your favorite memories of sisterhood while playing basketball? And this can also include with hijabi ballers or Muslim women's summer basketball league too, anything.
2: Yeah. Sisterhood one, I think is definitely the sister community, the community, um, just being on a women's league, you get to build that relationship, not just on the court, they become your family outside of like basketball as well. So you're like, you're just together all the time because after classes you're going to be, you know, you have practice together later on. And then you, I don't know. I feel like that, that community and that family aspect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And then what is one of your favorite hoops memories? Hmm.
2: I like when I'm I I love Kevin Durant so like Kevin Durant has been my favorite player and um, since I began watching him I've always wanted to be a shooter so I think my highlight is like making um, first just making a buzzer beater for to win a game like I think that's a memory that I still remember all those into murals but like it, I'm just like oh shoot that just happened that's crazy you know just unexpected so I'm like okay let's go and. An overtime game. So I'm like, okay, that's like... And then I think another one would be... Uh, yeah, just like making so many threes in a game. Yeah. Because, you know, it's you're always underestimated. Like, oh, no, you can't do it. And then everyone just so gassed in the crowd. Like, oh, shoot, did she just do that? So like making like, I think six or seven threes... In a game, is just like, whoa, that just happened. Even I get shocked by it because I know during the game, consistency is not always there. Mm-hmm. So when it happens, it's, it's yeah, that I would definitely say buzzer beater and just, like, making bare threes in a game.
1: Yeah, that is the best feeling when you're just locked into a different level and you just, you're making everything, you're consistent. Those are some of the best moments of basketball, yeah. in my opinion. So I want to talk about you and kind of your journey through basketball. And so, tell me about when you first fell in love with the game of basketball. Mm.
2: Um, So when I first came to Canada, I didn't speak English. I did not. um, I didn't play sports whatsoever. I came to Canada when I was around the age of ten, and then um, I remember my phys ed class, my gym teacher encouraging just everyone to chat like no one's sitting on the bench get up and play basketball like or be- get up and play soccer and there was a time that she would just give us free time and just put all sorts of like equipment out and then you know just let the girls and you know my classmates play with with whatever you know we wanted and um i remember the teacher just like teaching the sport to all of us i'm like oh shoot so she wasn't like teaching at like the skill like high like you have to do all this shoot threes from here like she's just teaching the basics and i felt like oh shoot okay cool and it was one of those things like i didn't have to worry about my level like how bad i was you know and the fact that the teacher was teaching all the girls in the classroom at the same level like and then she'll you know advance it depending on how everyone is doing so i think that's when um oh wow like oh this is basketball cool and I wanted to go home and learn more about it but computer back then wasn't like that you know internet access it wasn't you know so yeah i would definitely say gym class was when I got introduced to basketball and then over time I wanted to be you know committed to it and high school is when I fully committed to the sport compared to the others
1: yeah yeah that's so cool it's so important when you're younger when you're a younger player to have that confidence In like starting from the basics and building up. So you're like, I'm getting better at this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was was fun. Good times. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Times was simple, you know, you didn't even think about, you know, what what are they going to think of me the way I'm dribbling? Because you just assume that's how, you know, good you could be at that time you couldn't even think of how good you could be you just like let me just you know focus in the moment let me try to keep the ball up you know with my left hand my right hand as much as I could or like let me try to take the shot and see if it goes in or not
1: yeah it was simple times, yeah. <laughs> times. those days yeah, honestly <laughs> so in another interview you did with the bigger than this podcast you talked a little bit about how your mom didn't necessarily encourage you to be in sports. So how do you find the strength and confidence to step out of the norm um, and prioritize sports in your life?
2: Hmm. Uh, I like that question. Um, I think the fact that I knew it was doing more good than bad, like actually I couldn't even think of what bad it was doing for me. It's just like I knew playing sport was physically good for me and and I wanted to literally break the stereotypes that are out there. I think um, uh, like my mom is a first, like a, I guess, yeah, she's immigrant to the country and like the first generation here. And uh, we're not living in the mindset that the, my mom and you know, her siblings and whatnot grew up in. So like the goal is to try to um, like frame women as, being strong, independent and all that stuff. My mom is a single mother. So like, I feel like she should kind of already understand independency, like she should be encouraging, you know, my siblings and myself. But she didn't see sport as being that, you know, she didn't see it as something that was helping me become that, you know. So I think that's what I discovered when I was playing sports in high school and then just being around the other girls, you know, just how, it, it's just skills that I gained out of from being in those environment I'm just like oh cool like this is fun and then my mom was like yo you shouldn't do it you should focus on your school and all that stuff I just knew she didn't understand it because she never actually got the opportunity to take part in sport I'm just like you know what let her think her way but let me just do me at the end of the day is my life
1: yeah Yeah, that 100% makes sense because obviously as an athlete like you know all the things that it's benefiting in your life you know and if she doesn't realize that you're like well i mean it just you know is what it is that's super interesting you You obviously are a huge leader in your community you have such an impressive resume so i'm just going to go through what you do a little bit for my listeners so you founded muslim women's summer basketball league which unites muslim players through basketball every summer you're an ambassador for hijabi ballers which is an organization that aims to celebrate and increase opportunities for Muslim girls and women in sports. You worked with hijabi ballers in Nike to create a commercial for the Nike Pro Hijab, which is the first time an NBA team or any sports league has offered a hijab for Muslim athletes. And now you're in your master's program, writing a thesis about hijab wearing Muslim female athletes leading change in the sports community, the Muslim community, and how that is leading to societal change. So, clearly, you do so much for your community i mean it's just it's just amazing. so if you had to simplify all of the work that you 've done into one goal, what is that goal that you aim to achieve from your activism?
2: I think um, a simple term is literally um, change the narratives change because I feel like growing up i just seen so many negative things about like being a Muslim woman, you know, being practicing Muslim. I'm just like, there are times i question, like, it, like, why am I even, you know, believing in this religion? Why am I following this religion? You know, but deep down, like, I know from, you know, like practicing it, I know I love the religion, but just like when everything that's around you is showing the negative side of it, it's hard to see the bright, you know, the brighter side. Right. So, so when I grew up, you know, I felt confident, you know, I, I knew there were a lot of Muslim women, you know, that are, you know, being hurt and being challenged for their Islamic identity. And it's very interesting that in the Western side specifically, like we, you know, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about freedom of speech, freedom of religion and all these things. But at the same time we're being restricted and we're being targeted. We're being, you know, stereotypes and stereotyped. And so, yeah, like my goal is literally, you know, Change of stereotypes about Muslim women and the religion of Islam at large, um, because I've been believed I've been practicing it as, as you know as long as I can remember uh, from a very young age. I was actually born on the day of like a Islamic religion, like uh, an Eid on Eid of Sutri, so that's how I got my name. And I felt like you know it's my purpose to eventually, you know, share with the world how beautiful Islam is and also give the you know motivation confidence that Muslim women may need to still practice their their religion so in short change
1: narratives yeah yeah wow that's mm. amazing <laughs> so how does changing the narrative intersect with changing the narrative uh, in total intersect with changing the narrative of muslim women basketball players or muslim athletes in general
2: mm. i think the fact that um Muslim women have been missing from the sport world for a very, very long time. Um, And me being passionate about the sport of basketball has given me like, um, I guess, a niche. I'm like, oh, like I'm passionate about basketball, I'm a Muslim woman. I could actually use this as a tool to send that message out to the world. And I think at that time when I was playing basketball, like, I feel like I was too young. I wasn't even thinking that abroad. Um, I just wanted to play basketball, but now everything is, you know, connecting, which is so beautiful. So yeah, like, and sport is so powerful, you know, sport unites, like there are just so many beautiful aspects of, you know, sport and different countries coming together to teach you for their team, you know, like um, no, like different um, tribes within a country coming together, you know, to teach you for their team. So it just shows there's a lot of statistics out there, you know, that proves how powerful sport is. And um yeah, like I, I just believe it's possible and why not sport and the sport of basketball to send that message to the world. Yeah. And change their life. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure too for young girls to see themselves represented in, you know, other athletes that look like themselves, like representation is such a huge thing. And I know with your work with hijabi ballers and also the summer basketball league, you're kind of creating a space for people to see themselves represented in these, these spaces, you know, which is really cool. Absolutely. When you're featured on the bigger than this podcast, you said how big of a difference it was to see other athletes who looked like you. So how important is it for young girls, especially young Muslim girls who are just starting sports to see themselves represented through athletics? Mm.
2: Um, Very important. And black like not even so like i'm a triple minority like i'm a black muslim woman like that's literally like triple being a triple minority it, it's i don't see it as hard because you know the opportunities i've received um but society sees me differently than i see myself you know what i mean so um it i feel like it is very important for every individual to be able to see themselves on a screen you know like um even like literally right now um netflix the fact that they brought like black tv shows sitcoms onto netflix i'm like bro like where were you guys Did they really need to like the black lives matter movement had to start for you guys to realize that canada's netflix should also have you know black sitcoms like so i'm literally catching up on all those now because you know i wanted to anyways it's a, it's a story for another day but like it yeah. i feel like it's, it's important to be able to visualize yourself being at that stage, you know? So um, it, I, I know it would have had so much impact on me if I saw that, like my video right now on like when I was very young, like when I was young, because I don't literally remember seeing a Muslim, even a Muslim, not even black or like, it doesn't matter about the color, but like being um like a visual, a visible Muslim on screen. I don't remember seeing that throughout my whole child life, like childhood and a book like nothing so now the fact that you know a black muslim woman could see herself being represented she's gonna feel unstoppable because like the fact nike you know the biggest you know sports organization like um apparel brand they highlighted a black muslim woman, which is very empowering i still can't believe that happened so i can't imagine what a young muslim girl is you know feeling and the fact that i even received positive like how inspiring it was for other communities. They didn't even have to be a black Muslim woman, you know, like it didn't have to be most like myself, but other communities were reaching out saying that like, my daughter was inspired by your video. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's, it's very, you know, because I'm not gonna lie, like seeing a woman playing sport, even, even when I was younger, that alone was inspiring. But like when you reaches to your identity, like very close to you, is this like a different type of empowerment, you know? So I'm sure like it, it's very, it has empowered so many of them already. And I think we just have to literally focus on that, on all all aspects of the media, you know, assuring that every community is being represented because what the media shows is glorified as being significant and important, you know? So like, if other identities are not, you know, represented, what is that saying about our society? you're not valued, you're not important, you're not worth it. You know what I mean? So like, uh, in sure, yeah, it's, it's very important. I think we just have to keep this movement going for sure.
1: Yeah. What the media shows is what the society prioritizes. And if it's only showing one group, then what is that saying to young kids who are watching or even adults who are watching like that, that stuff can be really impactful. So that is so true what are some actions that you've taken with hijabi ballers and the muslim women's summer basketball league to achieve better representation
2: yeah i think the fact we have first and foremost like partnering with nike to do various projects um the raptors launching their first ever the first nba team to ever launch a like a pro hijab dedicated to muslim women um and then, you know, Canadian Women's Force Foundation, like they've done specific hijabi balls, they've done a lot of projects with important organizations that have, you know, the, 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 the audience to actually send the message out that hijabi ball is trying to do, you know. So um, the fact these organizations realized, oh, like we made a mistake, not just like running away from it, but the fact accepting that, like, wow, we messed up, like, let's try to fix it. You know what I mean? Like it's how you bounce back. That's important. Not, like you, if you're if you know the issue and you still continue, but you're still trying to target to this community, but you're not accommodating to their needs, are you really like concerned about the issue, though, or you're just trying to make right. your profit? You know what I mean? So, right? Um, yeah. Like a lot of, I, I, to be honest, it, it, I feel like, um, like I mentioned, like um, sport organizations have the voice. Is this a matter of partnering with the right organization to? To make sure that the right messages are sent out, and not just to say we did it, but like closely working with them and assuring that um, the work is being done. Because there's a lot of people, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement started. Um, well, that has been going on for a very long time, but last year, two years ago, um, everyone just like, yeah, like we're we're donating this much to like, why did you stop after what after the trend is done? You know what I mean? Like the trend is over, so does that mean the cause is done? But the issues are still happening. So I think that's what people need to be, you know, aware of. You don't just be a performative ally. Like be a constant, a constant ally, and you know, do the work. You know, um, support your, you know, your marginalized communities, and just continue the work. But yeah, like a lot has been done in short. But I think due to COVID, a lot of stuff hasn't been. The conversation started and the collaborations are in the process but they haven't been implemented I know they're in the making so in a few years I'm sure the work is going to be you know out to the public Uh, but yeah we just have to get more organizations to be to understand the movement and just keep the conversation going
1: yeah yeah that is such a huge thing is that performative um, being in a performative ally it's hard to when things are a trend like you said Does that stay consistent or not? And you can tell when the trends kind of die down. But it seems like also what you're doing with Hadjabi Ballers is holding organizations more accountable um, and making sure they're consistent with being an ally too. Because my podcast really focuses on the sisterhood that we share as athletes, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited that we're doing this interview because I feel like everything that you do really is creating a sisterhood among muslim athletes and muslim women and i just think that's so amazing so can you talk about the sisterhood in these organizations that you work with and the relationships that you've made by creating a space that connects all these like-minded women together
2: yeah absolutely i think um, at the beginning i didn't even think it was a sisterhood bond um late like you never think about it because you're just like in it. you're like oh cool you know I'm around women all the time like that's just what it is, and um, yeah later on like wow like a lot of women inspire me like to get to where I am you know a lot of women have believed in me you know and even launching the Muslim Women's Basketball League, um a woman like the hijabi ballers founder she's like yeah like I actually, you know having the title of their basketball ambassador. And so like, yeah, I actually believe you could do this for yourself and, you know, hijabi ballers will support you. And even doing my master's, my supervisor, believing in me is that, Hey, like, if you want to do it, like, I'm not an expert in that field, but I'm willing to take you on, you know, just like, and my mother, like, um, fleeing from Ethiopia when there's a lot of corruption going on to Canada and sacrificing everything, you know, for herself and, um, my, my five siblings, like my four other siblings, so there's five of us in total. Like she's a single mom of five, which is like crazy. Like, I don't know how she did it, but she did it, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's just so many, like my elementary teacher, like I didn't even speak English, you know, like I was still in grade eight. So like, I believed you could go to university. I'm just like, wait, what's like that? was those little things just instilled in my mind. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's how, like all these statements came from women, you know, and um they, they believed in me. And then I will just, in different groups later on I'm just like wow like that's sisterhood you know it's just different women coming together creating a space and then inspiring each other trying to help each other promoting each other's you know uh, brands and just stories it's just like sisterhood is is truly very um important to me and is actually one of the um visions and long-term goal for the muslim muslim basketball league to Um, create that sisterhood bond within the basketball community for Muslim women. So like, I know it's obvious that like when you're part of a team, sisterhood is eventually going to bond just because you are going to have, you know, a different type of bond, whether that is wanting to win, you know, um, wanting to get better, you know, wanting to compete against each other. The bond becomes, you know, very relatable and unstoppable. And that's how the sisterhood, you know, bond is created. Um, so yeah, in short, um, yeah, like women are just <laughs> like, they're literally just inspiring in so many ways. And it makes me question why society has put us down for so long, you know, um, because we're just, we're just so powerful and unstoppable. <laughs> so literally I believe women like we're the future, you know, I know they say youth is the future, but I believe women is a future period.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, everything you said is just perfect and being surrounded by strong women too. And having that, those people as your role models and believing in you, it makes such a difference. So through your thesis research, you're writing about how Muslim female athletes are leading change in sports, their communities and in society. So tell the listeners what you've found through your writing process and your research uh and the ways in which muslim athletes are changing athletics and bettering society
2: Mm. um the thing is i'm still in the writing process i haven't done the research aspect but from my assumption i believe that um organizations and muslim women and role models for example let's say if taj muhammad her being the first woman um to win the olympic medal for the u.s you know in fencing like that started so many conversation about Muslim women. I'm just like, oh, like different organization realizing that they didn't have space for Muslim women, you know? So, and how that, them taking part in sport and then using their voice to advocate for, you know, a community that has been missing for a very, very long time in the sport world and wanting to, like, ensure they're there. Now they're physically, you know, they're visible, you know, and um, now people are realizing that we're missing, this This group is missing, how can we do that, and them wanting to even create something for themselves, so, and then how that is later, you know, started making other organizations to start up some, something for Muslim women or changing their policies and whatnot, so, like, I feel like it has become a, like, a, a cycle of its own, and that's how I believe, um, the work that Muslim women are doing in the sport world from being an athlete to creating space for Muslim women and then um, changing, you know, like leading to societal change because now different organizations are like, oh, shoot, like, this is so bad that we didn't think about Muslim women. Like, now we have to create uniforms. We, we have to make sure we have hijabs. Like, we have to make sure uh, we have space for them to pray, you know, for those that want to pray. Uh, like, obviously, I feel like as teammates, we're very... Um, I never had ignorant teammates, to be honest. They are very understanding and very supportive in my choice. And they're, like – and being in Toronto, like, is a very diverse city. So, like, I, that was at least of their concern, you know. So Muslim women being in sport and being – like, they experienced that challenge and then them wanting to change that for the next generation of athletes has became a cycle of change. Um, I feel like I'm repeating the same thing, but – um, yeah, that is how it's leading to societal change because now the conversation is out there and people are aware of Muslim women and they have been missing for a reason because access and opportunities weren't given to them.
1: Yeah, 100%. That makes so much sense yeah. because first it has to start with one person who is kind of like the face of, you know, a group of people and then they're bringing more people into the picture mm-hmm. and then that's getting other organizations to realize that that's a minority that they need to actually address and then that starts a whole nother conversation yeah exactly. that makes so much sense in 2017 the FIBA lifted their ban on athletes being allowed to wear a hijab professionally abroad and then uh, the nike campaign that you worked with which created the nike pro hijab these are two examples of a lot of progress being made which is really great and you know it's it's great that we're making this progress but at the same time it shows how long it's taken to make this progress because those instances only happened in the past few years talk to the listeners about this dynamic between progress being made but also how much further we really do have to go oh mm. well, um that is a very uh
2: thoughtful and there's a lot within the question i appreciate it um, yeah, I feel like the conversation had it's crazy, 2017, like, that was, what, four years ago? Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And why did it take that long for the Federation of Basketball to realize that, oh, you know what, let's lift it now. Like, why? Why all of a sudden? What if an individual, like a Muslim woman that actually wanted to participate, she saw that I'm like, oh, I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to cause problems, you know what, I'm just going to go to a different sport, you know, like, or, you know, I don't even want to do it because clearly they don't want me to be in the space. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like um, it's a matter of who's in those boardrooms for sure. Like if we had more people from diverse groups in, you know, in these rooms making decisions for us, I don't think it would have taken that long. It, it clearly shows that there's only one type of individual that's in that room making decision for you know, for the squat world, and um, in short, literally change that. You know, first and foremost, like not just because, not just for the face. Actually, hear them out. You know I mean? Like have different individuals from different you know um, BIPOC communities in those boardrooms, and any policies regarding that particular group, it shouldn't even target. It shouldn't target a particular group. Period. A policy yeah. is it should be general, right? So like. If you're tar- if you're having a, if you have a policy that's specifically targeting a specific group, like that's not a policy. You're just strictly dis- discriminating against a population. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, a policy shouldn't be that. And um, and just have different individuals in the room so they're part of the conversation. And if you're not aware of or you don't have the education about how to deal with certain, you know, issues, and you have that individual, you know, educating you on it, you know, so um yeah like the conversation has begun the fact that nike is also just they're just risk takers right they're like not risk takers they're just like willing to take whatever it takes to change narratives yeah. which i truly appreciate and you know um i was very happy to be part of the the creation of the playbook um which was a a coach's guide um for even sport they were sent to sport organizations like literally discusses how to be an ally and supportive of Muslim female athletes. So, like, if you don't know nothing, no problem. You could just go through the playbook and um, it'll help you understand the do's and don'ts, you know? So, um, those are just little things that... Why did not Nike have to do that? I understand there are, you know, merchandise and, you know, marketing brand, but, like, the sport organization should have been at the forefront for that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, in short, it has began, but I feel like there's still... A long way to go. And the fact that we're still having conversations about these and um, like just so many other things, uh, not just like for Muslim women, but like other, you know, bike up communities and the challenge that they experience in sport. Um, Yeah, there's still, we got a long way to go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Which, I mean, kudos to Nike for doing that and taking that step, which is really impressive. You were saying that Nike did a playbook about Muslim athletes, the do's and don'ts. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it entailed?
2: Yeah. Um it, it was very so the fact that it was produced by myself, hijabi ballers and an individual from um the Nether Nike London Nike I'm not sure, I, I don't remember which Nike it was that like London or Netherlands. I, I get confused around that area. My apologies. But uh the fact that we were behind creating this product for Muslim women um and not sorry, not for Muslim, but for sport organizations to understand how to, you know, understand Muslim women and be an ally for them. Um, It it was very fun. And I was like, I was moved by it. And the fact that we were creating this for the first time, no one in the world has ever like no organizations or sport brands has ever created. So it was was very fun being part of that process um, from the beginning till the end. And Um, Yeah, it literally has the basics information in terms of like not all Muslim women wear the hijab, but they still want to be like they still don't want to wear, you know, like shorts without tights you know there there are different ways to be modest and just because they don't wear the head hij- they're not like a muslim woman is not wearing a hijab that doesn't mean they don't identify as a muslim woman you know just like every muslim woman has different level of practicing there are different levels so it, it's a matter of just like respecting them and then being there for them in a way that they want you to be there for them um yeah i'll be happy to send you that playbook um if you want
1: to sub, through it i just want to share yes, it, it
0: love it. Love that as well yeah perfect.
1: perfect yeah that is so cool yeah and that's something i feel like it's i think sometimes it's easy like when a group is a minority to assume that there is one version of that you know right. just to like adjust to one version where it is a spectrum and there are so many different ways there's not one way to be muslim you know there are so many different variations of it and i think that's really a great thing to highlight especially through that playbook so that coaches can know um because that's important that affects not only the muslim players but all the rest of the players too so right it's very cool yeah so the last question i ask in every interview uh is what is a quote that has inspired you throughout your life
2: Ooh. okay yeah this has to be it like i feel like every baller I remember i was a very twitter like i used to go on twitter to get like inspiration for the day um there was a twitter account that always posted basketball related or like athletically related um like me like tweets and I, I think i'm not sure if this is katie's quote or lebron's quote um sorry hard work always pays off. i remember seeing every athlete every basketball player saying don't worry hard work pays off something wrong happens Don't worry, there's a reason why it happened. Hard work will always pay off. Just keep working hard. So like literally, I remember that being my hashtag for so many of my, like hard work pays off. So like, I know it's not like a a quote, you know, like a crazy, crazy quote, but I think it's something that I've always like, it's so simple, you know, it's like, just hard work pays off. Like just keep working hard. And then like, trust me, like is gonna pay off
1: No, for sure. And maybe it's not in the way that you think it's supposed to pay off, but eventually it pays off in one way or another. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Atria. I really appreciate you taking your time to talk with me. And this was amazing. So thank you so much. Thanks, Olivia. This was fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sister Hoop. I will link all of Atria's social media along with the link to the Nike playbook we talked about in the episode in the description box below. If you like this episode, please rate and review this podcast. Thank you again, and as always, I'll see you in the gym.